Hi everyone, today on What's My Frame, I'm joined by cinematographer Joanna Coelho. Variety named her as one of the up next generation of filmmakers back in 2018. Joanna has worked as a cinematographer on a number of diverse projects, including award-winning narrative films, music videos, and TV. Today we dive into her time studying at AFI, her work on season two of The Rookie, and so much more. Now, let's get to the show. Hey, Joanna, thank you so much for joining us on What's My Frame. Thank you for having me, Laura. I am so excited to hear your perspective as a cinematographer. But before we dive into my questions, I would love to hear what drew you to the industry and cinematography specifically, if you don't mind. Yeah, well, I um, I actually started when I was younger. Um, I was borrowing my uh, parents' VHS camera and we were doing mini films, you know, with my friends. Um, kind of also fake commercials and we just had so much fun and I was often the one actually filming it and I realized you know that I I loved being behind the camera and so when I went to high school I actually did a cinema option and where I learned a little bit more about shots and then editing them and then I really liked it even though my major was in science and so after high school I decided actually to do a, a technical school for cinematography and uh, uh, yeah, there was kind of a progression and uh, I should probably have, you know, followed more the science major I was going to, but I just love so much, you know, cinema and filming. And I really realized that it was very technical and science really came handy into this. So that was kind of a perfect mix. Yeah. Do your parents have any of your old childhood projects? Have you ever gone back and watched them now as an adult? I actually have some, a lot of them have been lost when, when we were younger, but uh, I do have some still, which is very funny because there's a lot of effects and like, you know, <laughs> you know when you you edit for the first time, you're trying everything out. So that's really what they look like. <laughs> and some of them we really edited in camera back then as well. So that's kind of funny. But yeah. <laughs> See, you're already talking way above my pay grade. As an actor, <laughs> I'm just like, I'm sorry, editing in camera? What? <laughs> yeah, we had to think where to cut and then where to start the next thing. <laughs> but you know, we do it in instantly. That's not like something we knew or anything like that. I think you experiment, and then when you rewatch it, you say, "Oh, it would be cool," but it goes from there to there, and you know. So yeah, I always love hearing people's origin stories. I love when, as a child or a teenager, you're already creating because there's no limits. There's no there's no money involved. There's no one you're trying to please. You're just doing what inspires you. And I, I love that. Um, now, I would love to dive into your time at AFI and learn a little bit more about that experience and also hear from the other side of the process, because we as actors are very familiar with the AFI senior thesis pieces mm -hmm. and uh, their partnership with SAG after. But I would love to hear what it was like to be a student at AFI and on that side of things. Yeah, well, it was it was really a, um, a very intense and beautiful experience. AFI, you know, I, I had moved, I moved directly from France to go to AFI. So for me, it was, for me, it was like kind of a culture shock too at the same time. You know, I was not very fluent in English yet. So it was a lot going on for me at the, the first six months, I would say. Mm -hmm. And I was also the youngest of my class. So, you know, the... The experience was, I was trying to catch up a lot at the beginning, but I love the diversity of people, the diversity of backgrounds as well. Because, for example, in, the, in my cinematography class, 
uh, you know, like we had a, a lot of age difference in our class and people came from ca camera assistant background, they came from um, gaffing, you know, key gripping or just documentaries. Or So when we started to work together on set, uh, we like really shared kind of how everyone was doing what because we had different backgrounds. And I feel like this is this is really where I learned the most at FI was from the, my classmates, actually, which was really, really interesting. And but the classes, you know, the first year were really great as well. Um, there was just it was a very intense year, the first one, because basically you have a lot of classes and then you crew for each other's on set nonstop. Right. You make three small films, three short films, and you just keep crewing on the other sets as well. So it's almost seven days a week um, the, the first year. So it's this is where you learn the most. <laughs> so. I would say so. And do you think in a way that that kind of conditions you almost like an athlete to the real world, that that very immersive and intense experience where you're working on both your projects simultaneously with other classmates projects? Yeah, definitely. I think I think this is where you develop the skills of multitasking, to be very honest, you know, you learn like you have to be present and help, but at the same time, you're prepping your own, etc. And I, you know, I think also you go through a lot of working with different people, even though it's people you are doing the school with, you work with different directors, writers, you know, and then editors and production designers. And that shows you the word of like, not only working with one team, but switching teams often and pretty fast. And I think that prepares you in the world that like, people have different personalities, you know, how are you going to act on set or in prep and you know how can you communicate correctly with people who speak different language but it's not English you know at first and mm -hmm. so this is very interesting because I think that really prepares you in the world to adapt and you know really work with different people and yeah. like back to back you know so now was there something that drew you specifically to AFI to come because it was your first experience living in the states correct that's correct yeah act it's very funny because I actually was going to apply to USC originally. Okay. And, uh, and my father actually had a, a, in France, at that moment I was in France, had a lunch with a colleague and the colleague was like, oh, I have a friend who has a daughter who's a cinematographer, like in a school. And, and then they put us in touch and she was at AFI and she was like, you have to do AFI. <laughs> and so that's, and she told me about the programs and, you know, USC is a great school as well, but AFI is very hands-on again, because you are doing like cinematography project as a cinematographer, which I think USC can be a bit more difficult and you're doing multiple of them and then you're crewing for the other one. So, so you really like onset practice nonstop. Um, so she was describing me the program and I realized that I just didn't know about the school weirdly but like when I digged into it I was like that's what I want to do and I didn't even apply to USC I just I just put all my energy on it <laughs> there's just no comparison I remember my first time going to AFI for a, an acting class and it's this very tranquil supportive little bubble right inside the city yeah. it's so peaceful and it just has this creative hum to it. I, I don't really know a better way to articulate it. It's just, it's such a unique space within the city. It's really nice. Now, having worked with so many different creatives there at AFI, have you crossed paths now in the real world of working with former classmates or coworkers there on AFI sets? 
Yeah, you know, I think after right after AFI, we definitely kept crewing a little bit for each other's, you know. So like if someone was DPing, we would come and be cameras, camera assistants or others, right? And um I think we've you know, I've this is gonna be actually my 10 years graduation in June. Oh. Time flies. <laughs> but you know, as the years I think, you know, kept going, I feel like personally I created my own um like uh, new contacts in the world outside AFI so mm -hmm. I still have some close friends that I work with you know but maybe not as many as it was right after AFI yeah I think everyone kind of you know go on their own path and yeah. then as you build your new connections then it kind of fades a bit but we you know we're, there's still a strong community we still have a chat group <laughs> but on my class and sometimes yeah. we will comment on things you know and so you know, I think we would be really happy to find each other on set again. It just, I think everyone, you know, is, is a DP, so it's it's harder to actually cross paths exactly. on set today. To yeah. Paths. But I, I love that, that after graduation, you all were still, you were answering each other's calls and helping out. And I think so often as actors, we think that we're the only ones that are trying to pull a classmate from our acting class to help us film a little sketch or something. And it's everyone, as they're coming up in the industry, they must rely on their creative community. There, there's no yeah. one that's exempt from that that just all of a sudden the doors just fly open. I mean, if they do, they're very lucky, but mm -hmm. I don't think that's many people's experience. Now, you're one of the youngest cinema photographers to shoot network television, and I love that. It just, I love when doors open for younger creatives. That's incredible. Um, do you feel that your training and community from AFI in particular helped? Or how do you think those opportunities opened for you at such a young age? Yeah, so I think the fact I was the youngest at AFI already, you know, put me, I think, as a young person in general on set as a DP, you know, um, I... I was lucky enough to know very fast that I wanted to do cinematography. So I went straight for that and I've done that since the beginning. I know a lot of people have a change of paths, you know, so I've, you know, I think it makes sense that it continued that way. Um, but, you know, the opportunity to do a network show like this was really given by the executive and, you know, and they're the one who really gave me a shot. I was, I was a double up DP on the season two. So I was part of the show on season two already. So they had seen me working uh, double up dp is basically when two episodes so every episode overlap on the first and last day of one so when there's only one main dp then they would have another dp coming in to do the other episode that's overlapping basically and then i would do also all the second units or i would just replace the main dp when he couldn't be there etc so they had seen me working and and then on season four they gave me a call because they wanted to take two main dps and so instead of having one and then, you know, having to bring someone on every time, like they wanted one for the even episodes and one for the odd episodes. So they could prep as well with the directors because okay. you have no prep otherwise as a DP because you're always on set. <laughs> yeah, so, I yeah, so the, the, you know, the opportunity is that they really trusted me and, you know, they, they really are amazing people that are really nice to work with and they, they gave me a shot and then I, you know, I feel like yeah, I was definitely catching up a little bit at the beginning, for sure, because it's a very intense show. It's free cameras nonstop. You know, it's you prepping seven days, shooting nine days, and then you're back in prep. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think, you know, I think it 
most of the experience I needed, I think I got it on the season two, to be very honest. And then I understood the machine, how it works, you know, and then like on season four, I could, I could like follow pretty fast. Um, I, yeah, I think it's just a constant learning experience for any different type of shows. This is like a cop show. So there was a lot of experience about, you know, like uh, big, like shooting out scenes or, you know, stunts or, we had a lot of uh, special effects with explosions and you know so that's a show that you learn a lot about all of this but then you go if you go on a horror show you would learn about all the lighting tricks and all of that you know what i mean so it's yeah. it's a constant learning experience which is a part i love in, yeah. in filming in general yeah were you always growing up were you always on the younger side of your peers or very much a self-starter because it, that seems to be an echoing theme that you you were on the younger side but weren't bothered by it. you just were putting in the extra work yeah I guess you know I would say in France I was often with people more or less my age just because of you know the, the when you're in, in school or you know it's kind of the same age range in general um, but I think with AFI there was such a different range uh, range of age in general that I, I've always felt comfortable actually now that I think about it when my parents had guests or their friends, like I would always hang out with everyone. It's true. I, I it's kind of funny, but I guess I always felt comfortable with any kind of range of age. Like I, I, you know, it's more about the exchange and the the personality than how old you are. Because experience is not associated with age for me, right? Definitely. It could be, and and that's the thing actually. You know, in like I was the youngest of my class, and I was just twenty two when I had entered AFI, and then um then the oldest one I think uh, was 41 back then and he was just starting as well because he was doing a different craft before and then he decided to switch so you see we had like big gap of age but we had kind of the non-experience both of us so age doesn't show experience you know it's like and I think both present their own challenges because I'm sure he at 41 had to have some insecurities even as a man coming in with younger people starting a, a new chapter in his career so that's that's really well put everybody everybody's just figuring it out everybody's exactly everybody's there's um, a place for everyone you know it's just you have to find your own you know but there, there is a place for everyone <laughs> absolutely speaking of the rookie the very popular and accessible door for growing actors how do you balance working on a show with an ever-changing guest cast? Because some shows, you you know your actors, you have almost a shorthand with them and the crew, but when you have all of these new actors coming in every single week, what challenges, if any, does that present to the cinematographer? I think, you know, so we do have like a core cast that doesn't change too much in general, and you're right with all the guest cast coming for each episode. They often... They often, not all the time, but brought on because either they would know Nathan or, you know, they had a connection maybe with the cast and like, you know, they were, but not all the time. Um, I would say, funny enough, I think it's mostly the core cast that would handle more the guest cast, you know, to make them comfortable on set, etc. I feel like, you know, if if the actor is, or is less comfortable or something, it would be the core cast that would more take care of them and like make sure they are and you know even sometimes for the marks if you know the core cast is so used to the set and how we do things right that like if the other actor is a bit less comfortable with these things then I uh, so so many times Nathan adjusting for them to like help them out and like you know so That's so yeah 
I, I, I can say that I would be directly like handling with the guest cast, but I saw the, the core cast really, you know, adapting for them. So That's yeah, they're very good at that. Mm -hmm. Now, where you were speaking about that there was a lot of, you know, stunts and explosives and just a lot of additional elements to the show. Um, was that fun or daunting? when you started working in that versus and I, I don't know perhaps AFI covers a great deal of that or you had a, a student film that you were working on but I mean from watching the show it's it has moments where it, it, there's a lot going on oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> and that's really what it feels like on set <laughs> I have a feeling no, because it's probably it's very hot and it's repetitive uh, or not repetitive yeah. in a bad way but just yeah yeah a lot. every episode has, has their intense moments for sure um you know, I this is <clears throat> this is where so two years at FIS is not enough sometimes, but it's enough because you need to go in the real world and, and do you, you know, your yeah. actual experience. I don't think we cover a lot of these things, like stunts or explosion or like all special effects. We didn't really have classes on that. So that's definitely something I learned more on set in general. Mm -hmm. Um I learned a lot from actually the the, the stunt team and the like the special effect team as well you know uh they always talk to us how they want to achieve it what's the safety protocol for camera how close we can be or if we need to like if we need to be close but it's not safe then it has to be a lock off camera we can have an operator with it so we always have a lot of communication in, in pre-production and on set about all these uh special scenes that require you know more safety precautions um I would say, you know, I, I always found it fun, me, like this stunts or chase, like car chase or explosion. I have a lot of fun because you have to figure out how to do it. And I love this creating part. It's like you read the script and you're like, all right, this is going to be a big day of shoot. <laughs> and you're like, how are we going to do it? <laughs> but I love that part because this is where you really have to collaborate with everyone in the department to make sure everyone is on the same page so you can do it again safely, but also that the scene makes sense and that it reads well on screen, etc. So I, I I feel like every time it's a new situation and even when they are so experienced with the department, you know, um, I'm sure they get into a situation where they hadn't done that before either and they have to like figure out to make it as well. So it's kind of, again, a, const a constant learning experience on these things, but it's we had a very very professional like team of stunts and and special effects so that was it. and uh, you know obviously the first ladies are extremely experienced as well and know how to like make sure that each department is very aware of the situation and then can collaborate together for this but yeah yeah your face just lit up with excitement <laughs> talking about this and as an actor i i know how we get so excited about certain things and it was just you could tell you were like yeah <laughs> I love it. This is so I love learning more about this and like making it happen and then watching it. You know, I want to always see the scenes after how they cut together, you know. Oh, and then because you have so many pieces, for example, in the court chase to get, right? Because you're using stunt people or the actors, but then when the actors they can really do the stunt. So it's a it's little cuts everywhere, so you can hide yeah. everything. And we have you know, we we often take like four cameras instead of three for car chase, so we can have an extra body like filming, especially mm -hmm. if there's a crash, so we don't we can redo it, right? 
and we had GoPros and other cameras everywhere. So we get a bunch of angles, you know, so it's like, it's, this, it's a lot of things happening at the same time, but for some reasons, I love that when I have so many cameras to like handle and place to find the right angles and it's, you have one take. <laughs> and thought about yeah. that. I, I guess I just assumed that they would have like a intact car and then one that had already been wrecked. But sometimes there are, there are takes that it's one and that's all you get. For the red car, yeah. So that's with the stunt team. In general, obviously that's not with the cast. Right. And then for, and in the stunt team, you know, when they have to crash a car like this, yeah. Uh, what they do is they build a cage inside the car for the stunt person and the stunt person wears a helmet and all of that so it's it's a wall rig that is actually made by special effects special effects is the one rigging the car inside to like okay. put the yeah it, which is interesting right and um and then you know obviously you do the take with the actors inside so there we're using like a we use a pod car on the rookie so it's a car but there's someone driving on the roof right so you don't have you don't have like a truck pulling it or anything like yeah. that. It's not a process trailer. It's the car with someone driving on top. So you don't see the driver and then the actors present they're driving. And so we have the cameras ring on the sides and on the front and, you know, and so we okay. do like a pass like this where the stunt driver on the top driving the car, like moves a little the car and the actors pretend they're getting, you know, but, and then you cut with all of this. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to have to do a deep dive for some set stills that someone took because I had no idea that this was a thing. I, I'm so used to... I'll send you a video. I have a video of that, the question I'm talking about. So please, I'll send it to please. You. Yeah. Because I'm so used to seeing it being pulled on a trailer or the dreaded green screen where the car is on a stage. Um, but I've never seen where the driver is like that. Yeah, I'll send you pictures. I, I have all the behind the scenes for this. So. That's yeah. so exciting. That's how we shoot all of our driving scenes. This is how we shoot them. It, oh. it, when, it's a, when it's a police car, you know? Okay. So when then in the police car, every time you see them driving in the show, it's actually a stunt driver driving on the top of the car. Yeah. Wow. So. And it must be very, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. What is it like having been on set knowing how many cameras do you actually watch your episodes to see how the final piece came out or do you not like to watch your work no I definitely I definitely watch them like not <laughs> right away when they come out but I tried you know to catch up on the episodes later yeah. um I do because you know even just in the edit see what they use what they didn't use you know it's it's a good learning experience to see what was actually used for the final product because then you know, okay, we spend so much time on that moment and it didn't make it to the edit. You know, so sometimes it's a good learning experience because you have to move so fast on set. Yeah. You have to always reconsider what is the concession I am making on that scene. And that's why watching it later is interesting because you can see what was actually picked or not. And, you know, like the truth is they often pick the shots that are tight on the actors. So if you spend like, have, if you spend too much time on the wide, it's going to be here half a second. You know? yeah. So it's good to, you know, it's good to watch the episode so you can actually see it, what's happening in network TV and make sure you put your time and your camera shots like on the right moments that are going to be used the most, you know? So, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, because yeah. I just recently heard an interview with Miles Teller and he was talking about how he had learned to play the piano for this Mission Impossible scene. And he, like, they had spent all this time filming and all of this. And he was like, and it was this long. He's like, <laughs> a second. He's like, you didn't hardly see my hands. He's like, I spent months, like, learning how to play this. And rather than getting a double, and I think it's nice to know that 
we all have our contribution to the larger painting and final picture, but there's always someone else's hands on it past when we put our creative effort into it. And we, mm -hmm. we really have no control outside of the editing room of like what actually makes the final cut so that there's no it's true yeah. but I, I but I'm not saying you you should we shouldn't do the work and like still oh, like no, you no. know it's more like it's interesting to see what keeps coming back because there is really a lot of decisions you have to make on set about time so yes. it's it's just as a DP it's good to know okay like did I did it really worth it to like trick that light for 30 minutes or should I've had take more time on that close-up here you know what I mean just yeah. it's just good to to take a look that, that, is, that is really yeah. to be my hope because uh, network television it is still very much about time and money yeah that is uh, that is a uh, there is a lot we're shooting a lot of pages a day so you have to and that's why we have free cameras constantly you know that's exactly. uh yeah now i would love to speak if if you're willing to about how set safety if you have seen anything change since the incident that happened on the rust set um both as a cinematographer, any conversations that are happening within your union um, or just what you're hearing amongst your peers of just how you all are advocating or looking out for yourself and each other more. Um, also, of course, it was an isolated incident, but I know that there's, I, I'm only privy to the conversations that have been happening within SAG-AFTRA towards a more actor's uh, standpoint going forward with prop guns and things like that. Yeah. I feel like just because it, the article just came out yesterday and today, uh, I I just want to mention, I know that they're going to keep shooting. I don't know if you saw the news, but they decided to <laughs> go back doing it. There's a lot, a lot yeah. of cinematographers are upset about it, but it's, you know, it's uh, Eileen as uh, widow's decision. So mm -hmm. we have to respect that. I just, I would feel very uncomfortable to like go back on the set like this because they're using the same people. I mean, I'm sure like it's not the same first study, but who knows, you know, and like <laughs> not the same armor, but it's, I don't know, there's just things you need to like move on from because it's just too painful. And I feel like finishing this film is very strange to me, but again, it, yeah. it's, it's their decision. Um, Yeah, so while well, actually I was shooting on the rookie when that happened and it's a big deal because, you know, there was the Sarah Jones event years ago and it was already a huge story. But, and I think it's hard. We keep seeing a young, like, woman being, being like, killed on set. And I'm not saying, like, it happens with men too, but it just, this story is it just, like, I think maybe it's because we're trying to, like, you know, make it and find our place that we, like, not as careful about things we should look at. I don't, I'm not sure. And that's probably something... I shouldn't say I don't know it just it's very upsetting because you know it's a small community between the female DPs and and obviously we all knew Elena and so the fact that you know there's an accident like this means there's many layers of safety that have been corrupted at that point like it should never get there because there's so many layers of safety before that can happen <laughs> like Absolutely. it's just an unbelievable story when you feel like i'm still wrapping my head around it to be honest and you know i would never found that with like that just could not happen on the rookie like in no. my head and yeah. we deal with guns and i had just shot a scene like maybe a few weeks before with uh, blanks you know so yeah. we had like real guns with blanks and 
never felt unsafe once, you know, like, because there's so many procedures, but I respect it, you know, on a TV show like this, they would never take any risk. Um, so we always have the prop, you know, showing the guns and to the actors as well, you know, making sure like they're like checking the, uh, the chamber, right? That's how you call it. Mm -hmm. And then, yes. yeah. And then the talk on set, we have huge safety meetings on set before we always give, you know, just for the sound of it, we get like things for the ears and like, like, if you're an operator, they get glasses. Like you just get the whole thing. There's always a distance. You are allowed to be from guns, right. like as an operator. So there's just so many layers of things that are that would never, you know, that never just happen. can't happen. Just just checking the gun. If you don't, you know, if you if you know it's not real, what's <laughs> in the gun? You already have a big chance you're not gonna kill someone. You know? Yeah. So it just like that's insane to me. That was not even checked. I don't know, but. Um, no, so we never found like that could happen on the rookie, and that's why this story was so shocking to me. Um, but obviously, that as a as a cop show where we use guns all the time, and we did we tried to use blanks like as little as possible. It was often like fake guns, but mm -hmm. when we wanted the effect of the to actually see on screen, you know, the effect of the ball going, then we use blanks. But obviously, the day that happened, uh, Alexi Holly, the showrunner and the mm -hmm. creator of the show announced that we would not use real guns anymore. He banished the real girls from the rookie. So we just stopped fully using them. He made an announcement publicly. And from now on, everything that needs to be an effect is, is uh, visual effects. Okay. So it's only, I know they're only using fake guns now on the rookie. So there's no more risk. And it's true when you think about it, like the visual effects are good. Like you don't really need yeah. blanks anymore. You know, it's been... It's almost similar so why taking the risk you know just exactly. maybe just the actor feeling it but then is it worth the risk you know like there's so many people around i'm not sure if it's worth it anymore you know yeah so it, yeah. it's one of those things where every everyone has their perspective because you know there were so many actors speaking very publicly at first that it should absolutely just be with the advancements of cgi and special effects and pose why not do that and then others were like no 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 I want to feel the gun in my hand and like I want to me that felt self-indulgent mm -hmm. but to each person it, its own but I agree there were so many things that went wrong before that one particular incident that led up to it there it, it's it's just so amazing that it even it, it happened um, but but you know it's the I think it's the interesting thing as as a cinematographer and this is why I was saying I felt safe every single time on the rookie so I'm not the one going to the prop person and be like I need to see the gun like I've exactly. I've never done it because I felt safe but that's probably what Eileen had felt like she probably felt safe like they were checking it or I don't know you know this is where it's a check with me because I'm like we should when there's a real gun on set we should ask SDPs as well to look at it yeah. to make sure it's empty you know and yeah this is the thing i mean i you know like we we've talked a lot about it between women dps and we think we would have we i mean we like why was she so close to it but you know when you feel like someone is taking care of it and it's checked maybe we just don't check it either you know it's just yeah. And, yeah. and it goes back to what you were speaking of of just how much work there is to be done and as a woman i think that there is a different weight on any woman's shoulders on a set of not causing problems exactly not being that's difficult. what I was trying to say earlier but it, you know I, I was not finding the right word and I don't want it to be too political but it's just yeah 
it's I'll say it <laughs> no it's 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 a difficult subject because I don't want to say that we're less careful that's not that we're just no. more we're backing off more to make sure that they feel like yeah she was great on set it was nice to have her and like, we're like no she yeah, can't about you, this and that and <laughs> you want to be invited back you want to yeah. keep your job and I hope that we are getting more and more to a place where women do not feel a fear of being difficult or um, that there will be a backlash to speaking out. I think we still have a very long ways to go, but I think that this, um, I, I think it, it got a lot of people's attention that it needed to. And I'm so thankful that you have always felt safe on your working environments and your sets, because mm-hmm. that is so important. And I think the majority, that is how people feel. And that, that is a huge testament to how all of our sister unions and how everyone's education and training, this was a very isolated incident, but I still think regardless of how isolated it is, it still needs to be discussed and it still needs to stay active in conversation because in our very rapid um, news cycle, things very often get lost. And until something similar happens, then they're like, oh, and this also happened. I think that that is unnecessary loss and grief when we don't continue to talk about it until change is made the first time we learn the lesson, but. No, and it's the thing, it's like here, you know, for Sarah Johnny was like an accident of shooting on a live train, which we should not do that. And then here it's an accident of like not checking the i mean so many layers of accident of not having having a live ball in a gun like it's insane and but it's not about a life train or it's not about a gun it's about safety in general and this is where i think sometimes people are like well yeah we need to yes it's better to not have live gun on set but it's about safety protocols that are not being respected on set and in that's the common problem that's been happening with all these accidents and because people cut corners because they're trying to save money or whatever they're doing. And it's this is not why you cut corners. Like safety, you don't cut corner on safety ever. Thank you very much for just allowing me the space to discuss it with another female uh, in that role. I appreciate that. And then also for our listeners to just hear both. I, I think it's very valuable to know that there are the majority of sets are safe. And also to always advocate for yourself. And if any of your spidey senses go off that something seems wrong, ask more questions. And there's no, there's no harm in asking questions. All right. Changing complete gears. uh, You just wrapped a project called All Happy Families in Chicago, um, which we've been discussing this conversation for a minute. And I I feel like and also congratulations on your wedding. You've had all these life moments happening since we started trying to to get this on the calendar. Um, But I would love to hear about All Happy Families and what drew you to the project and then how um, filming was in Chicago. Yeah, so um, Our Happy Families is a is an indie feature that was shooting in Chicago and the director, Haula Rose, we worked together a few times before and we always have a great experience. So I um, I really wanted to join this project with her because I, I love the script, amazing script. It's a, it's a family comedy drama, basically, and with a wonderful cast. Um, and so, yeah, and shooting in Chicago, was something I've always wanted to do as well. So there was so many like positive things coming from the film. Like I was really excited to be part of the project with Arula and 
it was a total actually opposite experience from the rookie. So that was a perfect project to do after it. <laughs> so I kind of went to the ex a bit the extreme, you know, it's it's it was a very different way of shooting and like, you know, we were really hands-on because it was a small budget. So we had to make a lot of things, you know, happen ourselves with a smaller team. And that was that was really great. I think as a cinematographer, I love getting into these diversities of projects because you know, I love I love a set like the rookie where you know it's it's more like it's a really big crew and you, like it's free cameras and you know a lot of action, etc. And then smaller set like this where you're more hands-on and it's about a family in the house and you know and yeah, uh, it's like and have moments. Be, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm like closer to the actors at that moment on sets like that because you know it's again less people and tighter and you know so yeah, I I uh, absolutely love the experience. I'm really excited to see it uh, cut together and see how it does. Yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned earlier that they are going to send it out for the festival circuit. That's the plan, correct? That's the plan. Yes, they they I know they're rushing right now to get it cut out, <laughs> but uh, no, I'm I'm having you know I have really good hopes for it. I think it's going to be a really great movie. So I'm looking forward to. To hear more about what's what's happening with it we'll see <laughs> now do you have a director that you aspire to work with or like do you have a dream list or do you go project by project and kind of take as opportunities come your way you know there's actually there's actually some um, directors that are from france there's a do you know celine siama mm -hmm. so she did a she did a lady on fire a portrait of lady on fire recently i believe and uh, anyway i would love to work with her i think her work is amazing and so actually i would love to work with uh, french directors to be honest i haven't worked with a lot of them oh. or maybe none of them i guess uh just because i've been always in the us right yeah. and i would love to like kind of reconnect a bit with my country and do some project there's maybe but still you know a mix of like american french maybe i i love i love the the way we approach movies for shooting in the US, but I love the French stories. I think they're very strong, you know, so yeah. so I would love to do a kind of a combination project, French-American. Is your family still in France? <laughs> they are, yeah, yeah, everyone is there. <laughs> do you ever contemplate going for a year and, and immersing yourself in that space, or are you very content in the States right now? I think I'm really content in the States. I feel like um, it's really my home here and I'm really happy I just I would love the opportunity to shoot a project that you know that is an American project but shooting in France or it's a French production but collaborating with American and then you know I I would love the combo of it that I am sent to France for a few months and then you know come back here but yeah as would most creatives like yes I would <laughs> gladly go to France and put me in a nice hotel yeah please <laughs> No, and if there was the right project just in France, I would also obviously do it as well. Um, yeah. I would love to work more in Europe. It just, I don't want to rebase myself there. Right. Like I need to still be based here, but I can locally work in France if I needed to. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's the nice thing. You you can go and you get to experience these other cultures. Or I mean, obviously this is where you grew up, but as creatives we get to go and experience these other places for a period of time and while working which is which is really exciting that it's a, a longer period of time than perhaps you would go on vacation which I think mm -hmm. is cool and what was your favorite part of Chicago? Chicago? I was actually staying in Lincoln Park and I love that area Lincoln <sighs> Park it's yeah. like 
it's like really by the water and you see like this this long walk yeah. you can do and yeah I love that that was really cool yeah very different than Los Angeles <laughs> that's true but I also did the boats on the river like the architecture architectural tour right in yeah. Chicago that was amazing like you're in the river in between the buildings and it's just wow I've never seen that before you were you were such a vibrant and excited personality it's so fun <laughs> to talk to you I see why that people continue to want to work with you you have such a warmth and a very evident love not only for your work but just for life which is so refreshing because I think sometimes there is so much um you know this divine dissatisfaction that we have as creatives that sometimes it can kind of crush you a little bit and and you've somehow you have stayed above that and I don't know what work you're doing behind the scenes but good for you good for yeah, you thank you for sure um, I I really did this job because I love it you know I I think yeah. it is long hours it is a hard job you know it takes a lot out of you so if you don't find full joy in it I think we sh you should switch you know? <laughs> yes. exactly if you can do yeah. anything else please go do that and have something much have an eight to five somewhere <laughs> Now, going off of that perfect timing, um, what advice would you give to aspiring cinematographers that cannot do anything else, that this is the goal? I would say, I know there's a lot of ups and downs, but mm -hmm. the, what matters, there's a lot of ups and just hang on because it does take perseverance and it always pays at some point. So don't give up. All right, Joanna, the last question that we ask everyone on the podcast is what's one thing you wish you could go back and tell your younger self? Um, I think I would tell myself probably that same advice, you know, because I felt like there were so many times I was like, I need to give up, you know, and I'm really glad I did not. And it did pay off, you know, and there's still up and downs. So, you know, so mm -hmm. It's just never going to leave, but the, don't, the ups are good enough that it keeps you going. So yeah, I would tell myself that it's, it's the right path. I've been very happy doing what I do and, and I'm glad I hang on on it. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was so, well, also it was just lovely to listen to you speak, your beautiful <laughs> accent. I'm sure it's all very of strong. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no, all of the listeners are just like, thank God it's not just Laura's voice this week. Uh, it's so beautiful, but your, your vibrant, just passion for your work and your insight and just your warmth. It's just, it's so evident. So thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you so much, Laura. Thank you. <laughs>